human beings are incapable of not having problems. You will always find problems with your life to obsess about and torture yourself over. I realize that most of the world is misunderstood. I get to show people things like drinking hot cow blood straight from the cow. Very few people just wake up in the morning and want to make themselves so viscerally uncomfortable. We like things easy. The guy that we have on our podcast today is borderline insane, but in the best possible way. I'm a huge fan of traveling and getting out of your comfort zone. I've been chased by ladyboys in Cambodia. I've been lost without my phone in small towns in South Korea. And I've watched some pretty gross shows in Thailand. And to a lot of my friends, I'm considered crazy. But to our guest today, Mike Corey, these experiences might seem boring. Human beings are designed to suffer, man. Like, human soul needs a puzzle to solve. And if you don't give it puzzles, it'll create them in your head and you'll yell at people on social media or been right? From raiding a baboon camp with Hadza hunter-gatherers in Tanzania, turning a truck into weapons with Mayans, trading a crocodile in exchange for a bed in the Congo, and almost getting shot dead in a cursed pyramid in Turkey, Mike has used the world as his therapy for overcoming his biggest fears. Mike is known online as Fearless and Far. He has over 2 million subscribers on YouTube, and now has a TV show called Uncharted Adventure, which has been nominated for two Emmy Awards. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Corey. How old are you? How old am I? Dude, it's my, it's my birthday in uh, four days. Happy early birthday. Is age, is age uh, an important thing? Age is how I start a lot of my interviews, actually. Can I ask why? I'm 38, by the way. It's I'm not sure. Uh, I was always fat. So when I was going through like a, a harder period in my life, I would always look up 40-somethings, 50-somethings, 60-somethings of the world. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self or your 18-year-old self? Or like, what's it like to be 40? What's it like to be 50? What things you worry about at that age that you didn't worry about before and vice versa? Mm -hmm. And so as I've interviewed people on the street, my um, like uh, reconnaissance, you know, how, to, how you get to know that person's value or what they have to say is by the age. You know, where some people say, what do you do for a living? And you say, okay, I'm a... CEO of a big company and now people think that person what they're going to say is important mm -hmm. it's almost like if I'm listening to an 80 year old or a 40 year old or 20 year old my uh, how I think of them and what I listen to and what I retain depends on how I relate to that age I think that so I'm turning 38 in four days I think that with age what's interesting is when you, we grow up we always we're in, in grade school and so age is really important right yeah if someone's one year older than you it's it's a big deal right mm -hmm. like i remember my sister being one year younger and i was like oh i don't want to hang out with her she's too young and then you get older and no one really cares especially in, in the travel world coming from college from from university then going and backpacking and, and hanging out with people who are 45 23 and not really ever speaking about that and realizing that wisdom can come with years but it's more like total life lived and some people can pack a lot of life into 25 years mm -hmm. and some not so much into 55 mm -hmm. but they can be 55 or 25 and still be just as wise you know what i mean mm -hmm. i like to think maybe i'm more wise than the average 38 year old i don't know we'll see <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's i think it comes from just you know time on the streets right yeah what does it feel like to be your age it feels the, the same i remember my my dad once said to me on one of his birthdays uh he's like i look i look in the mirror and i can't believe the age i am because i still feel like i'm 30. Mm -hmm. 
And also, I remember my grandmother forgetting her age at one point, and I couldn't fathom when I was 19 or 18 that someone could forget what age they were. But even for me, I'm like, am I turning 20, 37 or 38? I don't think it matters, man. Yeah. I don't know. I think especially, especially for, for men, it's, there's less pressure on a number. For women, I think there's much more pressure. The society puts it on. But for men, if you have your shit together, does the age matter? Not as much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I like to get started with that. It's like a good, um, I find that the how old you and the what does it feel like to be your age is a really good way to get someone settled in. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what I've learned from my experience of interviewing people. How old are you? I'm 24. 24? Yeah. Your baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most people think I'm 31. So <laughs> <laughs> what's nice is like, I'll always get 31 for the next seven years. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Unless, I, unless something happens. But yeah, thanks for being on the show. And um, I actually first learned about your channel because I was doing travel videos. I mean, I still incorporate travel a lot into my videos. It's not at the forefront, like you wouldn't typically notice it at the thumbnail, but you would notice it in the video. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I noted, I think your, your videos started popping up on my algorithm a few years ago. And I saw the one in the, uh, the castle in Turkey. Oh, nice, that's the, a good one. The tribes, oh. all of that, so especially that you were Canadian. When I found that out, I'm like, every time I find a Canadian, I'm like, yes, I need to follow this person. And not too far from here, right? Yeah. I've got some weird content, man. And I'm always so interested on how people found me because there's hanging by hooks. Mm -hmm. There's getting shot at by the military police. There's Mm -hmm. eating baboons with the Hadza, all this kind of stuff. So people form a judgment on who I am whether I'm like a reckless asshole or whether I, I don't know, just based on what content they see. But I've been doing this job for 12 years, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm travel content creator OG. Yeah. There's not many of us left. And with that, like we've seen the whole passage uh, from blogging mm-hmm. originally to now it's like short form content, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. But the interesting thing for me, like what really caught my, my attention is it's not the adventures necessarily that you put a focus on. Like, yes, you do, but it's also the self-improvement aspect mm-hmm. about your life about fears, about confidence, and how you're trying to empower people to get over their own fears. Exactly. And so as someone who's like extremely passionate about self-improvement and helping others, I thought that was amazing that you're tying all that in. So, you know, I, uh, I did my research and I learned, I was listening to a few podcasts, reading a few things about you. In grade four, you can correct me if I'm mistaken, but in grade four, you, in your French class, you're asked to speak in front of the class. Your teacher asked you to speak in front well, of the class. Basically what happened is I had this teacher. I was a shy kid, a normal kid. And uh, I got framed on the playground once by some kid who committed a crime. And then I had a family pet die. And for whatever reason, the teacher just thought it'd be really good for me to be brought up in front of the class and explain mm-hmm. these horrible things to the class. Anyway, that was my, my, my first experience public speaking. And maybe we can all remember our, our first experience. But for me, I, I have no really recollection of any time in front of a class besides then where I had to explain why my, my family pets all died and all, all these th- crazy things. So that, that set in stone this attitude of being judged in, in, front, of the, the, in front of people. Yeah. And for the, the other one, I, again, I, I, someone did something on the playground that was quite horrible. Everyone thought it was me. The whole school hated me. And that just set in stone that when you're in front of a group it's bad Mm. and then i just lived my entire life for most of my life like the world was this classroom right and that's why the brand is called fearless and far is because these things that happen whether they're i mean that's insignificant these these things some people have horrible things all these different magnitudes but the reality is you're a ball of clay you get dense right 
and then you have to live with those dents. And just like a, a piece of paper, when it's folded, you can't unfold paper. There's always going to be a crease. And so whether it's, uh, again, my circumstance or someone else's, it still affects you growing up. And so for me, my journey through fear has been one of the most terrifying and magical of my life where I've learned fearlessness is not a lack of fear. It's feeling the fear and still continuing forward, right? That these things that happen to us when we're younger, they can create these phobias, these, these anxieties, and we fight them back. We use force and we try to drive them out. Maybe we take medications. Maybe we do terrible things to our body or our minds. But the reality is the second you say, you know what? This thing mm -hmm. that I'm scared of, if it's, our, if it's with me and I, I see it's trying to pr protect me, and I treat it as a friend, then dude, your world changes so much. So I went from, yeah, being scared to make a peep in front of a crowd to a TV host, YouTuber with 2 million subs, podcast host, all kinds of shit, right? 530 so, million views on the channel. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. What was the culminating point of that phobia? Did it, did it get progressively worse to a point where you're like, man, I gotta, I gotta do something about this? Oh, for sure. There, there's, there's so many. Um, I would have panic attacks uh, in grade school and I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. I would just, you know, when the, the teacher's getting you to uh, like read in front of the class and you have the book and you're like, and that just makes her pick you even more. <laughs> and so I would have like panic attacks. And I remember I was even in, uh, in university, I was, <laughs> sorry, I'm taking your notes now. Studying the questions. <laughs> no, no, I wanted to, I want to give you an example. Uh, I was trying to do a, uh, it was a pre presentation. I had notes just like this. Mm. And I remember trying to read the notes. And my hands were shaking so much. Wow. I couldn't read the notes. Wow. And I just ball, I'm not going to ball these up, but I balled them up, threw them. And I was so paranoid all of there. They're not too bread. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, I was so paranoid all of the time. I would just, I would rehearse so many times before I knew it all in my head. Mm -hmm. And the fact that my hands betrayed me mm -hmm. and I, I, I just threw them away because it was, it was, it was making everyone realize how, how nervous I was. That allowed me to then not, never use notes again. So all of these different things, again, seem at the time terrible. But then after, if, if any of that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be here today, right? Yeah. Like trauma is a fascinating thing um, because if you experience none, um, I don't think it molds you or makes you try harder than someone who's experienced a lot. Mm -hmm. It's almost a blessing to have some of it because it allows you to to want to fight back, to push, to prove yourself, right? To grow beyond the the walls of the cage that were built. And so with that, I think it's quite a beautiful thing to, to see these things as opportunities to rise to the occasion, right? And for me, it's been done through travel. And even my first big trip wasn't, I didn't just wake up one morning and be like, you know what, I'm going to travel to the other side of the world because life's better over there. No, nah, I took a car crash, a breakup, really bad breakup. Uh, death of a family member. Um, my my first grandparent died, and I was just in such a like a bad spot that I saw a poster on the wall that was like, "Do you want to go to the other side of the world?" And I was like, "Well, that that side of the world's way better than this friggin' side of the world." So I I decided to do that with a friend, and that's a whole other story. But basically, I think a, a, pro a problem with humans is that we never we never just change, right? Mm. We, something bad has to happen. Mm -hmm. The leg has to be swept and we trip and fall, smash our face on the asphalt and then we'll make a change. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. So for you, it was that trip that really made, like, cause the way you're talking about and the way you're talking about it can only in theory be seen in a retrospect. Like it's not like in the moment in grade school, you're thankful that everything happened. This is you looking back on it. You're happy that all those experiences made you who you are today. Yeah. Was it that 
the breakup, the car crash, the death of a family member, and then that decision to go on a solo trip, was that when your perspective started to change? Uh, well, like, did you grow up more negative or more fearful? And was that really the turning point? No, I grew up extremely fearful. I, I would even argue that I'm still probably more fearful than most people now. But that allows me to do my job and keep safe in situations that I can only describe as you've seen as pure chaos. Mm -hmm. Because I think, okay, what could go wrong? Let's try to, to mitigate those risks. Mm -hmm. So this fearfulness that I had that I thought was a handicap when I was younger allows me to make really smart decisions in very dangerous situations now. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have this fear, I, dude, I'd probably be dead. Honestly, like I've, I found myself in some very sketchy situations mm. and I've had to make very intelligent decisions. And with that, here we are. And people think I do this reckless stuff. I think, I mean, if, if you're on a black diamond trail and you've never put on skis before, that's reckless. But if you've, you know, been skiing your whole life, then it's not so bad. And that's what I consider with myself. I'm not saying I'm not putting myself in danger, but I, I've learned how to scuba dive, skydive, free dive, you know, like I do jujitsu and Muay Thai and I break dance for 10 years and I rock climb. Like I have my spectrum of, and that's just my physical ability. There's also just the street sense of traveling the world. At a certain point, you start to realize, okay, if you have this, this breadth, this spectrum of knowledge mm -hmm. about how you and the world work, even my biology degree in university, knowing why the, why the, the, the tides work, the moon pulls the water, you know, how do mountains form? It seems all trivial. But when you look out in the landscape and you know why that bug is red and why that leaf grows this way, then you just understand how to operate better and more intelligently, right? So for myself, that fearfulness that, again, I thought was a curse, dude, it's, it's been the best thing that's allowed me to be able to get to this point now. So in terms of those extreme adventures, I would say if you were fearful growing up, those sorts of adventures that you do now probably weren't at the top of your bucket list, were they? No, not at all. Uh, the only thing I did as a kid that is vaguely similar to what I do now is I was outdoorsy mm -hmm. and I was always trying to show people what they didn't understand. Mm -hmm. So for example, what I mean is uh, I thought spiders, snakes, salamanders were the coolest thing and I would I would grab them and I'd show my friends, my mom, my sister, whoever, be like, look how cool this thing is. And after a while, my family started to love them too. Yeah. My friends would freak out normally. Oh, it's, it's poisonous. It's venomous, whatever. Um, and I think I love doing that because I realized that most of the world is misunderstood and that we, we pick up all this information, you know, that snakes are slimy, right? The snakes are poisonous. You know, it's not even real. It's venomous, right? We hear all these different things about how the world works and who, who taught us this? Like sharks, like jaws, right? Yeah. People are afraid to go swimming in the ocean because of sharks. Meanwhile, I went scuba diving and we, we pray we see sharks. We want to see sharks. They're amazing creatures, right? Mm -hmm. You learn that maybe sharks kill 10 people a year and we kill 100 million sharks a year. Mm -hmm. You start to hear all this shit and then your mind decides, you have new data points, right? And from there, I, you realize that most of the world's misunderstood. And that's what, what gets me fired up about this now is that people don't understand the world they live in now less than ever, right? It's a big problem. And so my, my, my gift, I think, in this world is to help people understand their place in the world and that it's not this big, dangerous, 
globe filled with quicksand and people trying to kidnap you know what i mean like yeah. it's it's not like that okay so let's let's give a few examples of some titles of, of, of videos here <laughs> it's not, it's not, <laughs> not gonna fight for my cause i don't think no raiding a baboon camp with hadza hunter gatherers in tanzania mm -hmm. turning a truck into weapons with the mayans lost in congo and trading a crocodile for a bed yep of all the things in the world that you could do of all the places you could go of all the people you could film videos with why are there specific characteristics of yourself or your desires or what you're interested in the world that leads you to these parts of the world and these types of adventures or did you somehow stumble upon these kinds of things and like it got you hooked what's the story behind that yeah dude i just have always had an an inversion to what everyone else is doing and so for a, a while i mean you obviously youtuber as well I tried to just make videos that I thought people would like, and I got burnt out so fast, right? And that was the top 10 beaches of Mexico, the top five tacos or whatever. And then I realized if I really wanted to do this, like people weren't watching the videos. So I was like, if, if I'm gonna spend all this time and money making videos that people aren't watching, I might as well make ones that I like making that people don't watch, right? And then lo and behold, that's, you hear this story a thousand times, that's when people start watching, right? Mm -hmm. The second you decide to be yourself, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not so easy in, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, through all these, these travel experiences, me trying to, to show people what they, what they think they know about the world is wrong or their fears are unfounded, that knowledge is the antidote, antidote to fear, mm -hmm. that allowed me to create a very interesting travel style, which was finding places, things, foods, cultures, people who are misunderstood and sh painting the full story. I, one of my favorite things, bro, about YouTube is that I get to show people things like drinking hot cow blood straight from the cow. I saw that. <laughs> Would you try it? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you say yeah, because if it was just me drinking cow blood, it, you know, down the road here, it's weird. Yeah. But then going and meeting the Maasai hunters who live on the cattle camp, who, who the cows are so much more than just members of the family, right? It's like their bank account, it's their wealth, they trade it, they trade it for a wife, they make uh, huts out of the, the, the poop, like it, it literally, it's everything for them. They, the milk they drink, they get the iron from drinking the blood, and then you, you meet these people and they're like, listen, this is, this is great, we don't kill the cow, it's, it doesn't really get hurt, we drink the blood, it's just like a, a rare steak, yeah. so have some, and then, if I want to hang with the boys, and I, I always think it's like, if you if I want to, uh, if you came over to my my family's Christmas dinner, yeah, my mom I'm serves, operating the way that you operate. Yeah, like my mom is turkey, and you're like, oh, I don't actually, no, thank you. <laughs> and you have you bring your own granola bars, and you eat the granola bar with a fork and knife while we're all eating turkey dinner. It's like, well, then why did you come all the way here then? If you're not, yeah, I treat it the same way, for sure. Because for them, it's just as weird. They drink that every single day. Right? So who am I to come there and be like, oh, actually, I'm going to get, you know, eat my cliff bar. Oh, why me? Well, we always find ways to judge others without truly ever experiencing those things ourselves. Yeah. So I could sit at home and be like, dude, Mike's drinking cow blood. Like, I would never do that. <laughs> but then what's the point? You're not actually learning about those people and what they do might be right or might be good or might be, it might work for them. Just because it works, for, it doesn't work for you or you don't think it's right doesn't mean... It doesn't work for others. And I get diarrhea a lot. So let me be the, let me be the guinea pig. <laughs> I've eaten some foul shit. 
Um, but let me be the guinea pig. And let me just, I, the idea is not to have you go crave to go eat For sure. cow blood. It's more, let's meet the people, let's hear their side of the story, and then let's try it, right? And then even just someone being like, oh, actually, I get it. Don't need to try it, but I understand it. Mm. That, oh, that makes me, that's the whole goal of it, right? Mm. And so again, it could be food. Food's a really good one because we're so privileged here. Mm. Man, like I remember growing up that I, I used to complain about the texture of foods. I didn't like the texture of food. Mm -hmm. Like water chestnuts, don't like the texture. Then you go out to a, a tribe that eats the same food three times a day. Yeah. You, there's no, like, there's no, you, you eat what, what's there. You don't have the privilege of being, oh, today I don't feel like eating beef. You know what I mean? It's like you eat the same thing three times a day yeah. or you don't eat. Yeah. And so this whole, oh, I don't like the taste and texture thing is such a, like a privileged bullshit though. It's only, it's a symptom of having just so much excess of comfort and everything we want that we can choose which textures we like to eat, you know? But is there a way to, because I mean, you've traveled so much. I've traveled a lot. I, I understand that completely. From someone who doesn't travel as much or maybe doesn't put themselves in those situations, is there a way to change your, your attitude? Or reframe how you see things unless if you're not traveling yeah well i, I don't blame people uh because you live a comfortable life here and it's great right well you only know what you know to a certain extent right so if you're comfortable complaining about textures it's maybe because you haven't experienced certain things right like you have yeah so it's hard for you to actually visualize mm -hmm. the other side if you've experienced what you experience you come home and you go man why am i complaining about the texture exactly and i feel that you, you human beings are incapable of not having problems. We will always create problems. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you have a million bucks or zero, mm -hmm. you will always find problems with your life to obsess about and torture yourself over. And they can be problems of, of different severity, but at the end of the day, if you're comfortable eating whatever, you know, and you're comfortable sleeping whatever in your parents' basement or on the, the carpet, then you can adjust your response to hardship. But we're, you'll always have hardship, right? Human beings are designed to suffer, man. Like yeah. it's a, maybe a controversial opinion, but here we are in an age where we have literally everything and we're suffering more than ever. What the hell's up with that, right? Mm -hmm. And you visit these tribes who have nothing and yeah, they're, they suffer, but at least they, they, they seem to be a bit more happy about it, right? They have goals and, and uh, you know, a mission. Even if the mission is waking up in the morning and hunting a baboon, like human soul needs a puzzle to solve. And if you don't give it puzzles, it'll create them in your head and you'll yell at people on social media or invent bullshit, right? So why do you think countries that might have less or people who have less may be happier than people who have more? I think it's because when you have so much, you get to just sit, sit here, put your feet up, watch Netflix, and there's no pro no puzzle to solve. Mm -hmm. Like think think about like human beings have been around for three million years. Mm -hmm. How long have we been fighting to survive? Right? Like we human beings think about what we what, what we've been able to do. We can live in every environment on the planet. Right? Mm -hmm. In the Arctic, the Antarctic, floating on platforms like the Bajau uh, Sea Gypsies in Indonesia, the tropics. We 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 what we do what our special power is is just going to a place, suffering, adapting, surviving, populating. Right. We've always done that. Mm -hmm. And then when we did that, we also fought each other, right? With swords and spears, men of our age would go out and literally kill each other over some land grab. Yeah. And that's what you did, right? Until now, when we just fucking sit around and click, right? Yeah. 
No wonder our brains go crazy. No wonder we have so much anxiety because we're meant to, we're a tool, man. We're a tool of mass adaptation, right? That's what we are. And we're not using it at all. So no wonder we're torturing ourselves. So these, these countries that, that go back to your question, they don't have very much. They have more than us in the sense of a, a purpose and a mission day to day, right? Mm -hmm. And we've also rejected religion. I'm not a particularly religious guy, but it gives you a very simple set of standards to follow principles and a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And a, a benefit reward system. Mm -hmm. We throw that away and what do we replace it with, right? Like wokeism or whatever. We need some sort of belief system to band ourselves together to fight for, right? And without religion, again, we just, we, we, we find something else. We, we go us versus them. We yell about whose gender is what. And man, it, it's, it's interesting. I think in those places where there is, every day has a bit of struggle to find food, right? To, to get water, to get shelter. It's just, that's, that's what we're meant to do, right? The mind's happy. So it's the fact that we don't have struggles. In times when we don't have struggles that we maybe make up the most problems for ourselves. We, we always have to struggle, I think. And it's just, you get to choose what you do, right? Mm. You go to the gym, you crush it at the gym. You don't come home and, you, and struggle more. Generally, you, you just like chill, right? Because you put the struggle in, mm. right? You go do an ice plunge or a sauna or something, right? You go fight for a bit, like uh, whatever you choose. Martial arts. You come back and at least for me, and it seems to most men, you just chill a bit, right? Because you've, you've found some struggle, right? Is that good or bad? What, a struggle? No, the chill after. I think, I think being able to use your body to fight for something is the, why we're designed, man. Yeah. So I think the chill after, once you've put in the time, then, then you're, you allow yourself to chill, right? It sounds like you're frustrated, either frustrated or passionate. I'm yeah. not sure if the two, if there's a Venn diagram and they fit together and you're in the middle there. What is maybe your biggest problem that you see with the world? And I would say, the world is big, people are different, places are different. So maybe the world you grew up in. Mm -hmm. uh, passionate or frustrated? I don't know, man. I wouldn't say I'm not frustrated. I, I just get, uh, I just wish more people would mm, challenge themselves, mm -hmm. be more open-minded, right? Realize that the world's a big, interesting place and that if you don't use your body or your mind, then it's going to use you. That, that's that's what I feel. And we just torture ourselves so much unnecessarily because we don't actually put our mind and body to use. It took me, you're not, you're not taught that. I think we're taught to be more comfortable, right? And especially in this world here where everything's becoming easier, like take the escalator, don't take the stairs, you know, why would you do that? And, you know, eat this food. And I guess the reason why I became so passionate slash frustrated mm -hmm. was that I just keep on seeing so many amazing examples of how comfort just destroys our lives mm. for example um spending a lot of time in rural africa you um and spending a lot of time with local tribes who go out hunt their food you know chew bones and forage mm. uh one thing that a lot of youtube comments said was like wow their teeth are so amazing like all, all very straight all very white and i i guess i didn't really realize that until i got a lot of youtube comments mm -hmm. and so i started to research like why is it sugar and all this kind of stuff? And it's amazing what I learned that it's called, so it's called malocclusion when your teeth just drift around aimlessly mm -hmm. and you have to wear braces and headgear. And literally it's because we stopped using our teeth. Mm 
in the sense that now everything is softened bread and baby food that's all mashed and meat with no bone. And so you grow up and you don't actually put your teeth to work and they just drift without, without purpose, kind of like a, a person without actual, you know, a thing to do. And so we have to wear all these braces and shit because we're not actually still chewing meat and peeling things with our teeth. And another example of how the human body needs to have some challenge. And if you make it so easy, then you just drift around without purpose, right? Mm. And um, so again, over and over and over again, all of these different examples around the world of how uh, the soul needs some challenge, right? What are some things you brought back from those adventures that we were just talking about that you know you put to work, you apply? Mm. I've learned to trust my body more mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that I think when we're always using like hand sanitizers, sunscreens, all these different protect, you know, toothpaste, deodorants, all these different things, our body starts to use them as a crutch when we, again, we've been on this planet for so long, right? I'm not saying don't wear sunscreen, but I'm saying maybe not rely on it every minute of the day. You know what I mean? If you're always using these products, your body can't do its thing. And it's, it's really good at doing its thing. It needs a bit of help sometimes, especially if you've been, you know, out of it for a long time. Yeah. But uh, it's, a, it's a miraculous thing, man, the, the human body. As well as things like breath are really fascinating. Because a lot of cultures use breath in, in different ways to calm themselves, to chant, to, to drum up certain, even like, spiritual uh states mm -hmm. uh breath work is something that I, I i still do a lot and even some techniques i've learned I, I use daily even just to relax or go to sleep and um on top of that things that i that the whole world does everyone sings and dances and i've realized i think dance especially is so fundamentally human because it's a way of expressing yourself without having to use language. It is a language. Mm -hmm. And you can show your values and what you stand for through dance. And this came up on a podcast I did recently where uh, they were talking about, this guy named Marky Ganong was talking about how Italians always speak with their hands mm -hmm. because they were the center of the world for the longest time. And so a lot of cultures came up from North Africa, from the East, from the West, and they all learn to speak more like this so you can actually express yourself when language wasn't the, the main uh, the main form and i find myself i mean you probably see me expressing a lot with my hands because i find myself always dealing with different cultures too where the language isn't so good so i am always the same um but dance is exactly the same thing right and that's something that's so funny we've all become very disconnected with but we all love to dance right if you don't like to dance it's because you never really learned how and there's some judgmental things going on that's but true. Yeah, uh, but s song and dance are so, so fundamentally human. And I mean, everyone always listens to music. Like, who doesn't like music, yeah. right? It's because how stories were captured, mm -hmm. right? For the longest time, music and song and reciting poems was how we, it was the, 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 the MP3 or the, you know, the, 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 the data of, of our times. That's how things were saved and passed on, right? Mm -hmm. The stories, the lessons, the values. Yeah. And so in our brain, we're, we're just locked into hearing these stories and sonnets and things. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that uh, deodorant. <laughs> I still, I still do I don't wear smell deodorant. anything from here. So, so far, so good. Whatever you're just doing. less often, <laughs> just less often, less often. I think if you, if, and also if you eat less bullshit, you smell less. That's what I've learned too. You, you keep them clean shaven though. No, man, I got, I got little, sw little swamps in there. Do you shave your armpits? Now and then, yeah. Really? 
It wasn't yeah, like I'm a like Middle Eastern man. I don't know. I have so much air. Like <laughs> I hung out with the, the uh, Himba tribe. Okay, uh-huh. Himba tribe is in uh, Namibia, so we're talking like South Southern Africa on the west coast, like one country up from South Africa. There's a big desert there. Not much water. Mm-hmm. These women, they think ankles are sexy. They don't think boobs are sexy. So boobs are out to play. Ankles are wrapped up. Because there's the no... The men think that the women's ankles are sexy. Everyone thinks ankles are sexy. These guys are here. Look at that. Not, not judging here. I'm okay. <laughs> women's ankles. I mean, that's like fine a... for the foreigners when they go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then they do like a welcome dance where they're jumping around. It's like, oh God, okay. All right, cool. Yeah. Anyway, there's not much water there and they don't use, they don't bathe. They don't bathe with water. So they bathe with smoke. So we have these women who live in the desert. They've never bathed with water their entire life. They only take a little smoke incense. They put it up their skirt, hold it there under the armpits. Water never touches their body. And they don't smell that bad <laughs> they definitely smell a little bit but not that bad for never showering in your life if we put them on the subway like people would disperse or they no, just be like it's a it's a, it's a different smell but it's not as smelly as you'd think for never showering and they eat goat and corn porridge and maybe cow a little bit that's it nothing else mm. yeah i know the way that you eat really dictates how you smell how you taste and everything it's interesting. I never applied it to deodorant though. No. So what's your what's your deodorant routine? No, listen, I, I do wear deodorant sometimes. Let's not throw you in the dumps here. Let's, <laughs> let's clear the air here. We'll have to ask my girlfriend. I'll ask yeah. her later if I smell it. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that one out. <laughs> okay, in terms of travel, tell me about a travel experience that you had, whether it be at the beginning of your journey or more recently, that changed the way that you see the world. Uh, I can tell you a story that actually is not even really a video for the story. It was my first time in China. And I had heard that there was parts of the Great Wall called the Wild Wall. Mm. And the Wild Wall was part, uh, were parts that were unrestored. So I don't remember how many kilometers long the Great Wall is. It's longer than Canada. Canada's like 9,000 kilometers. Jamie, pull that up. (laughs) Can you check? Something like that. How long is Canada? Uh, anyway, the Great Wall, or how long is the Great Wall? I'm pretty sure it's longer than Canada, kilometer-wise, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And so there's a few different... 12,196 Great Wall of China. Dude, it's a long one. And Canada? Canada is uh, 7,000 kilometers, 4,700 miles. Okay. Wow, okay. Okay. So it's three times as long. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're going to go see the Great Wall of China, you, you go to like one of, I don't know, probably... 15 points but really only three are famous so but the rest is the wild wall right and i wanted to go visit the wild wall Mm -hmm. and when i was with my local guide there he's like yeah listen we can go to the wild wall um there's a little like bed and breakfast local place that has a um they can take up for a hike if you want to go there Mm -hmm. and i was like perfect so we go to the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. mainland china and we find this little bed and breakfast and the guy's there and he speaks like broken english and he's like, oh, you want to go up to the, the Great Wall? And I'm like, I would love to go up to the, the, the Great Wall. The Wild Wall. Yeah, the Wild Wall. You know, like bricks falling out, old old guard towers still there. Yeah. And um, he's like, oh, do you want to sleep there? And I said, you can like sleep there? He goes, if you want to, you know. 
And so I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he had this old pickup truck and he said, okay, it's, it's illegal. So we'll go up at night. So we'll, you'll stay here. You know, we'll just chill, have some tea. And then when the sun sets, we'll take the pickup truck up. I'll drop you off. You and your guide can go and you can sleep in one of the old guard towers. Right. And so I was stoked about this. Sunsets, we're having some tea. We throw some sleeping bags and a tent that they had into the pickup truck. We bounce up this road. I'm in the back seat. My guide and the and the um, B and B owner are there, and they're chit chatting. And I see my guide like get really uncomfortable, and they're speaking in Mandarin. So I'm like, what, "What's what's going on?" And he goes, "Oh, uh, he says that you know here that when they were building the Great Wall, that the people who died building the Great Wall, they would put the bodies in the wall." to use as building material. And I'm like, oh, that's creepy. <laughs> and so we're, we're going up and I can see like more chit chatter, chit chatter. And I'm, and my guide still looks uncomfortable. We're getting close. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, ah, I, he's saying that there's lots of ghosts here. And I was like, cool. Like, I don't, I don't believe in ghosts. So <laughs> if you don't believe in, if you don't believe in ghosts, you're pretty much, you're pretty much uh, invincible <laughs> from ghosts. And so he drops us off, he leaves and it's me and my guide. And my guide is fucking terrified. And so we go up, the full moon comes up, we're walking along the old broken wall, and it, you can see it in the, in the full moon snaking across the landscape. There's this giant guard tower with like the slits where they would have shot arrows out of. We crawl up this, this crumbling staircase on the, on the second floor of the guard tower. There was enough spot for the, for the tent, so we set up the tent. My guide is super uncomfortable. And then we're there, I'm taking some shots. I've got my little camera doing like long exposure photography. And then there was something rustles in the bushes. And my guy's like, okay, uh, I'm going to leave. I'll see you in the morning. And I was like, man, you can't just leave me here. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. Uh, this is going to be, it'll be okay. And he, he ran down the pass to, to the to the B&B. So he left me in the middle of oh mainland China with maybe a ghost in the bushes. And uh, I had to make a choice. Do I stay? and succumb to this like you know bullshit of ghosts and haunting and stuff or do i man up stay and have a very interesting night probably not sleep very much but have an awesome night to myself and i stayed mm -hmm. and didn't sleep barely at all but sat on the top full moon went by you know saw the sunrise the next morning over the wild wall and i realized then that you don't have to do what's in the brochure so many people go to China, right? They go see the Great Wall. They go to one of the manicured, perfected pieces. You pay your $15 entrance fee. You walk up with a thousand other people. You take your shot and you leave. Is that travel, really? To go all the way there just to stand in line, pay money to see something? Or is travel having it to yourself? Like, isn't that what you always want to do? Have it to yourself? Or at least be with local people? And then from there, I realized that the entire world's like that. You can choose your own adventures and you don't have to choose what's in the pamphlet. Even if there's, you know, great wall experience, talk to your guide. Is there anywhere else we can go? You know, okay, waterfall, great. Hey, where do you take your family on the weekend if you wanted to get away from the tourists, right? Whether it be a, a mosque, a church, a waterfall, a, a hike, asking those simple questions, man, you can have incredible experiences and, and you'll be the only one there. I mean, I love that. That's an amazing story, an amazing lesson. I believe in, in the exact same thing. If you, were, if someone is listening to this and wondering, well, how could I do that? What's the baby first step that you take? Suppose I'm saying, I wanna to go to China. 
but I want to have an experience like you, you know, because the experience that you had, in theory, a lot of things had to happen once you met up with everyone for it to go that way, right? So experiences happen from the conversations you have and the little decisions, small actions that create other decisions and whatnot. How can someone get started? Uh, I mean, I've been doing this for, since I was like 23, your age basically is when I started. So like professionally now for 10 years. So basically it's like Michael Jordan slamming dunks and you asking how you can, how you could do that. Right. Because I've been doing it for so long for me. It's, I just, you, you show up, you talk to somebody, he takes you there. That's, but I've realized it's, it's not that, that simple, especially because you don't know if you're going to a country where you don't speak the language, right? You don't know anybody. That's, that's scary shit. And also the, the biggest handicap is you're in a small town maybe or a big town, but the people who are out there solo backpacking the world aren't here. They're out there. Everyone here isn't doing that. So why would they say, go do that? Mm. The people doing it will tell you to go, but they're not going to be here. Therefore, all of the people around you aren't going to encourage you. They're going to discourage you because they, they, all they see is the news, man. Watch the news. The world's a horrible, dangerous place. You'll get kidnapped and robbed and, you know, everything's blowing up and there's things are on fire, right? Like, so you have to speak to people like myself or even someone like you. It could be a DM. Maybe we'll message back. Maybe we won't. People get busy, but there's lots of travelers out there who can give you lots of advice and don't think you can't use Airbnb and Uber and all of these apps you're very familiar with in most other countries in the world, right? And also we think that people are, again, that these, these countries are unfriendly. Uh, I, I like to think that if you, if you were in rural Canada, right? And you see some Japanese guy or like Bangladeshi guy who obviously is very out of place holding a map mm. lost in rural Canada. Are you going to go steal a shit? Or are you going to be like, how did you get here? Yeah. Let me help you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's exactly how it works everywhere else in the world, right? You see some guy who's a local person, sees someone who's obviously not from there. Mm -hmm. People are fundamentally kind. Mm. People are not evil. They're not bad. A few are, but I'm telling you, mostly you, after almost 100 countries, a lot of them being DR Congo, right? Mauritania, Pakistan, Turkmenistan, these unfriendly countries are the friendliest countries, right? That's how the world works. And we've have it beaten into our brains. Just like from the beginning, I told you that my, my life's mission has been destroying disinformation and misinformation. We are malinformed, right? Mm -hmm. I, my mission is to help people understand the world is not what we think it is. It is so much kinder and more beautiful and more interesting. So, for me, it seems very simple because I know that the risk is not really there, mm -hmm. right? Um, but for people who haven't experienced that before, it's difficult. One, the, the best hack I give people now for travel is find a place you want to go and look at any, any hobby you have or any hobby you'd like to try. Let's say it's salsa dancing, right? Mm -hmm. Either if you're a salsa dancer or want to try, you can go to any, any country in the world, man. You can easily do that in, in Latin America. But even I was in Taiwan, Mm -hmm. and got invited to a salsa club in Taipei, Taiwan. Probably the farthest place you can actually get from the heart of salsa. You show up, you're a newbie or you're experienced, and people are just happy to have you there, right? Like, And also it allows you to kind of short-circuit the whole having to meet people thing because you have a skill you're learning or want to learn or are already good at, and you get to hang with people who are very similarly minded, right? And they'll often invite you out, there's events and that. 
So you can pick up a skill or practice a skill. As, like, I've been doing this with jujitsu forever now, like six years. Mm. Same thing with Muay Thai, same thing with whatever. You show up, and especially in, in martial arts, you're kind of like fresh meat, you know? <laughs> it's like, who's the new kid? Yeah. Not in like a let's kill him sort of way. Well, a little bit like that, but in a, friend, in a friendly yeah. way, right? Let's see what he can do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's see what you can do. Yeah. And I've made very fast friends in, in I've, I've rolled like the jiu-jitsu in probably 25 countries. And you, it's amazing how fast you become friends with someone when you're trying to kill each other. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean? For sure. And so that, that's the, the easiest hack these mm -hmm. days. And again, don't think that just because you're foreign that it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact you. Think about, again, someone from a different country who speaks broken English meeting you at a bar or at your local practice club. Were you, would you treat him like a dick? Would you steal his shit? Would you, no, you'd, you'd be like, hey bro, like all the way here, like how did you get, like Tim, let's hear a story, right? Yeah. Exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm And so, like, so because you said you've done it for so many years, sometimes when you're so pro, it's hard to remember when you weren't a pro, like you were just saying. I'll ask a simpler question. A lot of people ask me this, you know, when I get to a place, should I have my itinerary set mm -hmm. or should I just book the ticket? You know, maybe have my return, maybe not have my return and just figure it out. I like what you said. So you go to a place, but you go to a place with a certain goal in mind. You have a hobby, you have an interest. You're going to discover a, a part of the world based on that hobby. And that automatically gives you something in common with the people there. Mm -hmm. Lets you make friends a bit more easy. Mm -hmm. um, should we be confined by itineraries or should we kind of leave it up to chance? Depends what you're trying to do. If you are solo traveling, which I recommend everyone does, um, then you should lock in a hostel for a week or something in a destination, land, and just roll with the punches. Go on the hostel pub crawl, meet someone in the lobby. I mean, I remember my first time going to a hostel. I was pretty introverted and I couldn't, I didn't, I wasn't. Mm. my forte wasn't meeting people but then some dude came up and said hey where are you from do you want to grab some food and it's like yeah you know what i mean somebody you, if you're there it'll happen yeah. and then from there see where it goes book off a couple weeks or whatever uh, and then just see where it goes because the best experiences aren't the ones you're going to be able to book the tour with mm -hmm. right sure there's some things you should probably book if you really want to do it that are busy like some things are cool like going to cappadocia in in turkey yeah it's famous with instagram with the balloons but it's a really cool place mm -hmm. There's much cooler experiences than what you see online. You just have to poke around a little bit, right? Yeah. If you're taking your girlfriend on a trip, maybe you should have some plans along the way. But uh, generally, I, th I, I think if you're, you know, if you're mid-30s or 40s, then maybe have a bit more structure. But if you're willing to, willing to just sit, spend time in the trenches, like, yeah, just, just don't make a plan. What about trust? So, I mean, I'd love to know when you go on your trips, is it mainly you, are you with the team or is it mainly you with fixers and people from like from the ground or on the ground? There's, there's two versions of me though. There's like making YouTube content and there's me doing a trip. Okay, so which one do you mean? You making your YouTube videos. Then yeah, there's a team and there is a schedule because I am, it's a business. So, um, I, but I do always leave time open. So for example, this, this past, uh, the two pa recent trips in the past year, one was to Congo, where we I landed in Kinshasa, mm -hmm. and there was one week of everything's booked, right? So we're filming voodoo wrestling on one day where there's people WWE-style casting magical spells at each other. Mm -hmm. Next day is going with these guys called sappers, 
Société de Ambianceur or something, something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these guys would dress like up in, Yeah, yeah, in fancy clothes and walk to the streets. And there was a third one, which was, I forget right now. And then it was a week of just going to the jungle and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. And the most recent in, Kong, in uh, Angola was the same. There was a week of filming with some tribes and then a week of just, let's see what happens. Because if you ask enough questions, you can find the cool things that no one's done before. But again, how do you find off the beaten path? Because you can't Google off the beaten path Indonesia and find off the beaten path because someone made a blog post about it. It's not, right. not really it. So you, you go there, you ask questions and you can always find cool adventures. But so when you're in that situation in China where you were with the guide and then you were with the two people who were driving you, yeah. that's just you and the guide, right? Just two people, yeah. he left you, now you're alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where does that trust come from? Like, did you know him before the guide or was it someone you had spoken to a few times? Like, you didn't know him personally for a while, I'm guessing. I found a contact. I think I just messaged out to friends, family, and I, whatever fans I had at the time. Does anyone have a contact for uh, like a solo guide, like a p- personal guide in, in China? That's all it was. And more often than not, you, those people are trustworthy. I've never, I've had ones that are better than others, but if, if you have like an Instagram page and you, you have photos of taking other people or I get your name from a friend and you took my friend somewhere or a friend of a friend somewhere, then I, I've, again, I've, dude, the only, the only bad things I've had happen to me have been opportunistic hyena type shit where, I mean, like scavenger, where pickpocketing, you know, no one's, act, no one's actively trying to hurt you, right? I've had my rental cars broken and things stolen two or three times, right? Like, I've had my suitcase stolen once from the airport. Not actually, I haven't been mugged, haven't been, no one's ever tried to cause me harm. There's always going to be people out there looking for, uh, to be sneaky and steal shit, right? No, here in Montreal or in Angola, but no one's ever tried to actively cause me harm in all of these crazy countries, right? So we should be more trust, we should have more trust in people. I have had no reason not to trust people. And... Yeah, I've met a few untrustworthy people, but they're not giving private tours, right? They're selling some shill in, in the back alley or something, right? And if you have any kind of street sense, you'll you'll know that, right? But generally, there's better ways to get things from people than setting up a fake travel business, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so I have a quote from you. Uh, Fear is a liar and a thief. Yeah. Can you explain this? Fear is a liar and a thief. And it'll steal your future and it'll bully you endlessly if you let it. And what I mean by that is the fear in your life affects all of your decisions. And people might not think that they have lots of fear because there's two kinds of fear in my eyes. There's quiet fears and there's loud fears. So a loud fear is a a fear of heights. So we go out in the balcony and it's like, oh shit, I could fall. It, It takes over your senses, right? Fear of the ocean, you don't go swimming. Now, fear of public speaking, is you get close to the scenario and you just feel the waves, the, the turmoil building up, like revving of an engine. There's quiet fears too, which is perfectionism, right? What is perfectionism, right? It's the fear of being judged, right? And often perfectionism stops you from making any art at all because you're afraid to put out there, right? Maybe it won't be as good, maybe people will judge you jealousy, uh, anger, all these are all still fears just manifesting themselves in more adult ways. So we don't lift the, the sheep from the bed and see a monster there anymore. That's what we used to be afraid of. Mm. Fear gets 
gets crafty. It, it manifests itself in adult ways, like all of those things. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> if you let it boss you around, it'll s- steal your future. But I say a bully in the sense like a schoolyard bully, because if you stand up to it and say, no, not today, when fear steps up in your face and you hit back, yeah. it loses its power, right? Yeah. Just like a, a schoolyard bully, if you allow it to push you around, it'll only get stronger. It knows it has power. The second you stand up for yourself in the face of it, then things start to get a little bit spicy, right? But that's a very scary feeling in in both scenarios, whether it's a physical person who can hurt you or a fear which you think can hurt you, Mm -hmm. but often it's just a bunch of bullshit you you put in your head, you know? So at the beginning of the interview, you touched on a little bit about, um, you said you were arguably more fearful than most people. Right. Yeah, I would say so. What is your relationship with fear at this point? Because of what you just spoke about. So you're, you're managing it and you're, I mean, what you do to moat to the outside person, if they haven't spoken to you or they didn't listen to what you just said, yeah. they would think this guy's fearless. Like, it's yeah. fucking crazy. You know, like he can do anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know if you are fearful, yet you do things that most people wouldn't believe are scary. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of manage those things? What do you tell yourself? Um, to be able to do them, to get past those initial roadblocks of, nah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, for sure. The I've got like three simple hacks. <clears throat> Number one is when you feel a, when you feel fear for something, mm-hmm. again, it could be doing a presentation, starting a YouTube video, whatever it is. You, the immediate reaction is to feel fear of that feeling, especially if it's performative, right? Like going to speak in front of a group. If, you, if you're going to be called you feel fear, then you're like, oh my God, I'm so scared right now. And you're just dumping more gasoline on the fire, right? Because you're afraid of being afraid. If you can change that moment where when you think, bing, you feel the fear and you say, yes. Mm. Oh man, messes things up in your head. Because from there, uh, the second point is fear and uh, excitement are basically the same biochemically. It's just the framing of the result. What I mean is fear is associated with, you get like in a rapid pulse and you get excited and flustered or whatever. That's associated with a negative result. I'm going to fail, I'm going to, something's gonna happen. But excitement is, it's physiologically the same, but it's a positive result. Oh, it's a roller coaster, it's, you know, it's excitement. And when you start changing your relationship, saying, yes, I'm so excited over, oh my God, I'm so scared, your brain just doesn't know what to do with that. It's like, no, but it's confused. And then it starts to short circuit the entire fear response, Mm. right? You put those together and you start using that language in your head when you do feel that feeling. And then you realize that fear is the, the wall of fire that anybody must pass through. Anybody and everybody must pass through to become their best selves. Anybody who is successful, anyone who's done anything great, Mm. remarkable, has passed through that burning wall of fire and it hurts, but on the other side, it doesn't continue into a valley of flames. Mm-hmm. There's just that one little wall, right? There'll probably be several walls along the way, but you pass through mm-hmm. and man, it's great on the other side. For sure. And so if, if you it's want liberating. to- It's for sure, right? Yeah. And you have to realize that, are you gonna be the kind of person who, who turns tail, turns around yeah. when those challenges come up? Or are you gonna be the kind of person that realizes, okay, this is a challenge from life the universe, God, pick it. And am I going to stand up to this challenge and go through it? Or am I going to turn around? Mm-hmm. I have a compass tattooed on my chest. I got it a few months ago because I've learned that 
fear is a compass. And if you walk towards that bearing and go through those fires, man, life gives you everything. People say, I have a dream life, right? And I get to travel the world, do all of the most amazing things, see the most amazing places, not even for free, to get paid to do that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And it's only because I've treated fear like a compass. Mm -hmm. People think I'm fearless. Dude, I am the complete opposite. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've just learned through experience that it is the guiding point yeah. in your life. You have to walk towards it, not away. So whatever you're most scared of is what you, in theory, should be there walking towards. There are so many fantastic quotes about that. Yeah. One of my favorites is by Joseph Campbell. That's the cave you fear to enter hides the treasure that you seek. Mm -hmm. But there's a, there's a thousand. And uh, so many people have realized this because so many people have discovered, oh my God, everything I've always wanted was on the other side of that fear. However, very few people just wake up in the morning and want to make themselves so viscerally uncomfortable. It takes a breakup. It takes a car crash. It takes, you know, your, your nose hitting the asphalt. In a point of desperation, humans do a really good job. Some of us being opportunistic and finding the lesson or the value in, in the suffering. Yeah. Others just complain, right. right? If I was given one thing, one talent, it wasn't to speak on camera. Mm -hmm. It wasn't to, to travel. It was that I was able for some reason to find the path through the struggle. When life shit on my face, I was able to be like, huh, this really sucks, but what's next? How can I use this? If I can't do this now because of whatever reason, what, what does it allow me to do? And that attitude of, of finding an opportunity when others find a problem or a wall, that is a magical human uh, strategy right there. And does it get easier over time to, because from what you're talking about, you're almost, you're almost framing fear as a, as a muscle. Yeah. The decision to attack a fear versus run away from it yeah. is a decision, right? Just like doing something that's difficult. It's a muscle. The more that you do it, yeah. say courage is a muscle. In theory, the easier it becomes. It's exactly like that. Is that true? Is it easier for you to frame it in a more positive, optimistic way now? For sure it is because you have more data points, right? Like if you, if you grow up and every time you got put in front of a group, for example, or every time you went to the ocean, it was just more terrifying. Mm -hmm because you have some shit that happens, then every, that's more points in the, okay, this is bad. Yeah. The more points you give yourself mm -hmm. of actually, you know what, I, I went in the ocean, you know, or asked that girl out, or I, then it's just, and I didn't get, I didn't die, you know, I didn't piss my pants and black out or whatever it was, yeah. right? It's just more proof to yourself that it's not as horrible as you thought it once was. And after a while, then there's more positive than negative. Mm -hmm. And then you, it's much easier, but just like doing pull-ups, right? Or doing curls at the gym, if you can do it and it's great, but if you don't do it for a year or two, the muscle atrophies, right? Mm -hmm. Courage is the same, but you have to keep using it. It's, it's a muscle. And after a while of brainwashing yourself, yeah. knowing that fear and excitement are very similar, mm -hmm. knowing that it is the rite of passage that everyone's successful and most likely happy has gone through, mm -hmm. who's accomplished anything, you see them as opportunities to prove yourself. It is another challenge. You are Hercules and it's one of the what did Hercules have to do? Battle something? He had to like kill he, everyone, no? Kill everyone. <laughs> he held up the world. He had a... Uh, no, that was... That uh, was uh, yeah, but what was it? They had things that the were guy who called the world? Atlas. Atlas. Hercules? That was Atlas. Yeah, Hercules Atlas. had... What? Tests. Something. Some kind of tests. The labors of Hercules. Each one is a labor to be able to prove yourself. Given to you by the universe.
So you were saying, and I agree with this, most people only wake up and realize they're not living the life they want to be living when something traumatic happens, mm -hmm. break up, get fired, someone dies, something happens. Let's say that's not the case. You're just continuously unhappy or maybe something happened, didn't matter. You're still on the same course. You're not happy with your life and you would like to improve it. Can you, in a sense, start flipping the switch while staying in the same environment, in the same location with the same people? Or does it take a certain switch um, to really make those changes happen and actually let them happen for a continuous period of time? Yeah. Awesome question. Humans are creatures of routine. We like things easy, right? That's, that's why all of this is so difficult. It's because we like things that are easy and comfortable, mm -hmm. right? And we're so good at just conserving energy and building this whole routine. We go on autopilot. We don't even think about it, right? We walk in our house, we do all these things. And that's just, it's comfortable because we're always trying to conserve calories, right? Because again, when, when survival was a struggle, calories are hard to come by. And so we're, we're always trying to conserve that. And so the human mind finds itself in these ruts really, really easy. And that's why I preach travel so much because when you remove yourself from a space and go somewhere else completely, you can be a whole different person, a hell of a lot easier, mm -hmm. especially if you spent 20 years living with your parents or been living with a spouse for a long time and maybe there's a breakup and maybe just when people are with people or when people are in a space, they just melt into that mm -hmm. and all the dents and grooves are part of them too. You pick up, you move, you have to think of, you know, make an active choice about where you sleep, what you do, where, you know, where you eat, then you can reform habits. And maybe that's why I got addicted to it because I wasn't happy with myself for a lot of my life. And with that, I was able to craft a whole new identity by almost like picking up different pieces around the world. I think we're all born with a lens, man, where your, your culture, your family, your loved ones give you a view on the world, who you are, where you are, what you believe. And for some people, they can see crystal clear who they are, right? They see their place and they can be happy. They have a wife and kids, you know, everything's great. But for a lot of people, it's just blurry. You don't really actually see your place, right? What I did is simply traveled, broke that lens by traveling, picked up, you know, day of the dead beliefs in Mexico. Oh, that's very interesting. Honoring, you know, our ancestors going and spending time with the tribe, you know, hunting and appreciating food and you know, eating with your hands and understanding you don't need all this extra comfort stuff, you know, put that in and slowly form a lens and forge a brand new view of the world that now I feel is pretty much crystal clear. It's a few little fragments I need, but basically I was able to see my place in the world through travel. And you can't, you can't change your life. It's really hard to change your life uh, if you don't, in my opinion, travel or have some kind of earth-shattering, foundation-breaking trauma where you have to change everything, right? You, your whole routine changes because of something terrible. Yeah. And then in that, you can build the pieces back again differently, if you choose to, or you can wallow in self-pity forever, right? People do that too. But it's that, that, that idea of, shit, well, ah, uh, what's the silver lining? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a magical attitude. So if I was listening to this, I know 100% what I would wish the next question to be. And you might not know the answer. You can just make it up if you want, or you could just not answer it. But if you had a framework or a strategy or like an itinerary, 
some sort of actionable uh, description of what you would do. So let's let's take the situation. Pretend it's me. I'm unhappy with my life. I want to make changes. You know, this is the life I'm living. Uh, this is the life I want to be living. How do I how do I turn and get here? If you're watching this, or you, you probably have some love for travel. You probably follow other travelers. Me, you, other people. Pick 10, pick 20, pick, it doesn't matter. Pick a whole bunch. Have a simple message and send it to them, their email, their Instagram, or both. And just say, hi, I know you're busy, been thinking about traveling by myself. What's one tip? Or even, should I do it? If I get a comment like that, I will always answer it, right? Because I know that's a deciding point. I will bet you won't do it because it's scary. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably rant at you for a 30 seconds about it's not about where you go mm -hmm. or, you know, how do you do it right? It's, it's the decision to, to make it. Mm -hmm. But at least then you'll have more data points of people who've done it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, should I do it even? And everyone will always say yes. I've, in my 12 years of doing this, I've never met anybody who said, no, I wouldn't solo travel again. Everyone's like, oh, it's the best thing I ever did. Yeah. So from there, get yourself more data points of, of being able to go, you know, at least have more positive association because don't expect your family or friends to support you. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you have to realize that, that travel has become broken mm -hmm. uh, since the invention of social media that the, the travelers who make careers out of it, like myself, are offered silly amounts of money to go to luxury resorts to post about how wonderful things are. And therefore, luxury travel is massively inflated. And all we see is how travel has to be expensive. When really, the fundamental building blocks of travel is just a dude with a stick and a little napkin on the back, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like hitchhiking style. Yeah. You don't have to go to, to Bali. You can just hitchhike, right? And you can just take a train or a bus, travel across the country for a day, you know? Like if you have a couple hundred bucks, man, or even no money, people live every single day with no money, right? If you've got to sleep in the woods for a night, awesome. You know, I hope you see a bear. Hope it doesn't hurt you too much. But like the attitude that you have to be able to put yourself out there and and understand that, that to have anything worth anything in this life, there's always going to be risk. Mm -hmm. we, we think that we don't, if we stay home, there's no risk. You're risking a life of being unhappy. And honestly, if you don't move your body too much, you're risking diabetes or obesity or heart attacks, right? Like there's always risk. Yeah. So again, you can choose your risks. And with that, you can ask people questions. You can learn about the risk and you can, you can make good decisions. But don't think travel has to be a luxury resort in Cancun or Tulum or, you know, Sydney, Australia. You can just jump on a bus and go across the country, meet some weird people, have some funny stories, you know, maybe have something that almost happened, a risky moment, man, but like without, without risk, there's no, there's no adventure, right? There's no good stories. And how do you become wise and interesting in this world? Especially as a man, you have to take some risks, tell some cool stories yeah. and without risk, there are no good stories. Are you surrounded by a lot of good people? in your life, people who you run these ideas by or you confide in? Do you think the environment that you have maybe helps shape that? Like You mean when I was younger or now? All throughout. When I was younger, like, I had- Because I'm wondering, does all of this, I mean, what you're saying now comes from a lot of experience. So if your environment's not as helpful or, or supportive, you've built it in yourself. You're disciplined, you understand everything. I guess when you were younger, you have to have sort of an environment that helps you, at least friends, family, 
Yeah. Did you have that support? When I was younger, I had my, my parents pushed me to be curious. They put curiosity at the top of the list and encouraged my curiosity above all else. And I think that is one of the most amazing characteristics a human can have is curiosity. Um, now I have so many positive data points. I just know that I can show up and again, make good decisions for the most point, most part, but that things will always unfold in quite a spectacular way. Uh, make a loose plan, but allow serendipity to, to take the wheel at some point. And those are the, always the best trips. Right. So when I went to Japan, one of the things I learned about the culture is that the majority of people who work at a specific job, the attitude they have is that they're going to be working in that job for the entirety of their lives. Yeah. So in Japan, why you know everyone has such a great attitude towards these people is you know, made in Japan, this made in Japan, that. We all want Japanese products. We want to be attached to Japanese items. The reason is because they practice a form of mastery. I find here, once someone gets a job, they're always looking for an upgrade. They're always looking for a next step, trying to bounce around. They're not necessarily happy with where they're at. And for you, I looked at your channel, you've been making videos for quite a long time and you've been continuing to do that, you know, from a, around my age, maybe a few years older to where you're at now, how have you managed to be consistent for so long doing the same thing? Or maybe a different version of that is, how have you kind of you made it more fun or, or worked it around a little bit so that you can continue to do the same thing? Like, why did you just quit and do something else or move on? How'd you not get bored with it? The beautiful thing about doing anything creative is that you become a fundamental piece of, of your art and in your brand, right? And so from the beginning, picking up a camera all those years ago, it's amazing how everything in hindsight connects together. Like I was, I was a break dancer for 10 years, mm. right? That was one of my first things I loved. And that also helped me get over my, my initial fear of being in the spotlight because break dancing was something confrontational where all eyes are on you, but you didn't have to speak, right? And something I learned very early on then is with breakdancing, if you, you know, do some moves and you fall and you're like, oh my God, my knee, like Peter Griffin from Family Guy, <laughs> people will be like, oh shit, he hurt himself. Mm -hmm. But if you just go, you know, yeah. B-boy stance, yeah. you meant to do it, right? And that attitude towards anything performative uh, is, is a hack. You know, if you look like you meant to do it, then you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, so looking back, that dance style um, allowed me to travel the world and actually interact with all sorts of different tribes again it, with dance. I'm more I'm comfortable dancing and learning dance moves and communicating with tribes because a lot of it's very, very physical. And so from from there, I also learned how to do like spinning fire, you know, like poi. And I also learned how to free dive and scuba dive and all of these skills kind of came together and allowed me to focus on different areas of my life, right? In the beginning, I was, I was talking on camera, then I got more into cinematography and videography, then into photography, then into uh, more recently podcasting and all. So with all of that, it's all in a giant spectrum mm -hmm. that all kind of magnify each other, right? So being able to practice my speaking, for example, um, doing endless horrible takes with a camera in front of me, talking, messing up, talking, messing up, but that allowed me to be able to present myself more, right? And build my personal brand. And then also doing podcasting allowed me to be more articulate. You know what I mean? 
and and photography allowed me to be able to take better photos but also like compose scenes and you know uh, set up uh, shots for video better as well so all this kind of came together and while I, it's been a very similar job for 12 years i can focus different places mm -hmm. right so maybe i'm getting a little bit sick of photography then okay i'll do more of you know podcasting or more yada yada but eventually it's all building a personal brand of thing or more self-help now like i really enjoy speaking about the fear thing and i'll i always love it but i'll change topics a little bit too yeah. and so with all of that um different pieces of you can become very a very fascinating job opportunity and because you have such a wide berth on the creative front you can again monetize those or the, the 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 filaments come together like some kind of fungal mycelium where everything's actually connected you didn't really know mm -hmm. but by breakdancing and traveling oh, okay there's this idea or by you know scuba diving and skydiving oh you can do this idea right everything kind of comes together and gets quite exciting mm -hmm. and what i what i feel now is the reason why i haven't got burnt out is i i just follow the fire in my life it's not really so much about what i sh should be doing all the time it's like what excite what excites me, right? So getting my skydiving license uh, a few months ago, that excited me, right? And I didn't know what content would come from there. But then once I met people, talked, you know, heard ideas, you know, things that were happening, all sorts of different connections started to pop up to make content or, you know, to other have other cool experiences. And that's how I think a human should live is, especially if you're a creative and you don't mind roughing it again and sleeping on on the floor or your mom's basement whatever if you're comfortable being uncomfortable you can do anything and that's where i think travel comes in again is knowing that you can eat beans and have you know busted up blue jeans and sleep wherever in your car but have fire in your heart to do something and learn something oh man the money will come right because that fire is such a rare thing it's a shame to just throw it away and ignore it if you feel excited for something could be macaroni pictures, you know, finger painting. Yeah. Do it, like do it until the the, the 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 fruit doesn't have any juice in it. You know, just do it until you get it right. Yeah. And often, maybe you won't, you don't want to do that as your life path. But at least from there, just you'll get a start. Yeah, yeah, get momentum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, follow the fire. Yeah, I always thought that school put an emphasis on telling us to build our lives around our career. Mm -hmm. And one thing I always strive for was building my career around my life. Mm -hmm. So just finding things that you're interested in doing, finding things that you're passionate about doing, and then figuring out how you can make money doing those. Yeah. Seems exactly. like it's, you're basically saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that you're successful? Uh, I think success comes from happiness. And I think that uh, I'm pretty happy. I mean, I think anybody who goes into the self-help sphere isn't all of the time or hasn't always been. Yeah. including people who digest the content because if you're happy all the time why do you not watching it? Yeah. exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly so i i but that i think that's the eternal struggle that, that a lot of us have is that we we're trying to get there but it's a butterfly that with a hole in the net right but even just the the progress we get from learning more about ourselves and different techniques and morning routines or whatever it is like these things help us become it and i think a part of it is just being like you know what i have enough like gratitude practice is such a powerful thing right it's so easy to always be thinking about the next step right you you have an accomplishment you do something and it's like okay what's next what's next what's next and now we get to see all of the steps possible right with social media we see you know elon musk and like bezos and or whoever else you you idolize 
Um, and you just see like how far it could go and where do you want to be in the totem pole? Maybe it's not that far. Maybe it's like Rogan or maybe it's Anthony Bourdain or something, right? And you just know that you're not that yet. And, but you'll never be that. So you'll be, you can be something up there, right? But I think it's, a, it's something you have to really watch. It's a very powerful fuel, my man. Yeah. Th this, this like feeling that you haven't accomplished enough. Very powerful fuel, but it destroys you from the inside out, right? Yeah. How much of that do you think plays, that luck plays into it? I've heard a lot of people, and I have my belief, I'd rather hear it from you first before sharing mine, but a lot of people, when they see successful people, will use the word luck. Yeah. What do you think of luck? What is luck? Yeah, the, this is a quote, that, not my words, but it's like luck is when hard work meets opportunity, right? So you put in the hours and then opportunities come up. And I mean, if you have the skill set, mm -hmm. then you get quite lucky, right? But I, I have a bit more of a spiritual side to it. I really think that you have to prove yourself to whatever's up there, mm -hmm. right? The universe, let's call it. That if you put time in the trenches, right? So you go to the gym, right? You read the books, you, you're not jacking off and play video games all the time, right? If you're, if you're actually trying to sharpen the ax every single day, really working on yourself, then something up there notices and then it will give you what you want, right? But you have to prove it because there's lots of people out there trying hard, but if you make sure you're disciplined, mm -hmm. then your hard work will be rewarded, right? Yeah. I really do think that. 100%. And you like to journal? I love the journal. But journaling, yeah, that was probably the the most pivotal thing that changed everything was actually it's funny because we we dove into that briefly in the beginning mm -hmm. the and there was a thing in there that uh, what was exactly one of the very first things i ever did and i remember i was sitting on a beach you know sitting on a beach and i had uh, a, a the hotel stock little notepad mm -hmm. and a friend had given me a bootleg cuban cigar mm -hmm. and i had like a half bottle of rum <laughs> and so I, I sat and I smoked this cigar for the first time ever, like wheezing and coughing and drooling the whole time, drinking this, uh, this, this really crappy rum. And I was just, I felt stuck. And I wrote down like friends and I gave myself a one out of 10 and I wrote why. Mm -hmm. And then finances, one out of 10, why? You know, family, one out of, mm -hmm. and went through all of these different things. And it was the first time I ever reflected on how I felt about these different categories of my life. And then from there, I got so much more clarity about how I felt. Mm -hmm. um, I, I launched myself into a, a, you know, 12 years, 15 years of, of journaling. Uh, I don't want to say every day, but pretty much every day. Yeah. What does it do for you? Because I, you know, I believe in journaling very strongly, but I know a lot of people, especially men, uh, especially people who may not think they need to grow, they have a hard time understanding the purpose of it. How do you use it? How do you see it? What does it do for you? Our brains are messy, especially now with so much information, so much stimulus, so much information overload all of the time. Writing allows me to distill all of the noise mm -hmm. and sort the crap out. Mm -hmm. With paper, I can, let's say everything's a fog, right? Just swirling mist. And then writing for me is that making condensation like water forming and then it making something solid right and then i can see how i truly feel mm. 
whenever I've gone through anything hard in my life, that that saved me. Like it, it's how I've been able to get out of every rut was was ink, ink on paper, not notepad app, ink on paper. Hey there, I hope that you're enjoying the conversation so far. At Sprout, we're really big on not just listening to advice, but also taking action on it. At the beginning of my own self-growth journey, I was lost and I was trying to find the answers to questions about who I was and what I wanted from life. Was I good enough to be the person that I wanted to be? Did I have what it takes to be able to craft that life? And how would I even get started in doing that? I turned to journaling as an answer. And after seven years of having done it consistently, it gave me the tools to finally find fulfillment in many aspects of my life. Now, I took all of those seven years of experience, knowledge to go from who I used to be to where I am at now. And I created a 365 day workbook out of it. This 365 day workbook is a fully guided journal intended to bring you on your own year long journey to outlining, creating, and living your version of your most fulfilling life. We've actually only created a limited batch of these. And if you are serious about making positive big changes to your life, which if you're listening to this podcast, you must be, I highly recommend trying it out. You can get your copy at sprout.com or by clicking the link in the description of this episode. A better life is just one click away. Do you mind if we go through your journal for today yeah okay so how do you feel on a scale of one to ten you rated yourself a seven can you tell me why seven seven is the lazy man's answer <laughs> if you don't know what to believe at seven uh no because right now i'm going through a massive transition in my life mm-hmm. and spent uh um spent two or three weeks back home with family two weeks mm-hmm. and now going to get my first apartment in five, six years in Mexico and ready to rebuild my brand. Mm -hmm. And with that, I've changed a lot this year. I had a a, a seven month TV show that, that uh, we wrapped up earlier this year had probably the most powerful year of my life. Uh, Like again, skydiving lessons, the chest tattoo, finding crystal skulls in the Mayan underworld, (laughs) like all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, uh, had like an insane ayahuasca trip where I thought I died. So, you know, just a, an average experience. So, no, I, I, I broke myself this year in so many different ways. Beautiful ways, but like difficult ways. And now the chaos is finally... Uh, I use chaos like a bad word, but I, I thrive in chaos, man. But like that that's starting to dissipate. And so now I have probably four months before we most likely do a a third season of the TV show to take everything I've learned and put it down on like in, in concrete. So new version of the course, uh, solid messages, you know, building, doing more writing as well. And with that, I feel this, this surge of being able, Oh, I've got to do it. But you know, I was, we've been chilling, you know, I get to see my girl again. I'm in a new relationship. She's awesome. She's first time meeting my family. We're at the cottage. Just, you know, so I've had this, like, you know, this entrepreneurial spark just ready to explode, but I've been just trying to keep it, keep it at bay. You know what I mean? And not feel so like, just try to enjoy it. If I can't enjoy myself and relax with this, all, what's it all for? Right. That seems like an eight. And maybe it's an eight then. It seems like an eight. Seven turns into eight. Just, just put <laughs> yeah. a line through it. <laughs> okay. So career, you rated a seven. Relationships, an eight. Self-love, seven. Mental health, eight. Health, 10. 
and Ambition 9. Can I ask why career and self-love are your lowest two ratings? I think for that same reason, where I, I know there's so much I, air quotes, should be doing right now mm -hmm. uh, that needs to be done. That's like red line emergency. That's what it feels like. But in reality is, who, who am I racing? Who am I racing, right? And uh, really the solution, I think, is just being able to just, you know, chill out. Yeah, maybe do some writing, keep the ideas together. But space gives wonderful things to you too, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So last Last thing, so I'll have you read out your one piece of life advice for today. And can you explain the meaning behind why you chose that? My one piece of life advice for today is to be playful. I wrote that because I think in a lot, life we can take too seriously and conversations we can take too seriously. And playfulness is, in my opinion, the hallmark of mastery. When you're learning something like this competence, you know, and mastery. But basically, if you can be playful with something, whether it be lacrosse or tennis or conversation, then that is the ultimate form of freedom and, and mastery of something. Mm -hmm. But it's very easy to take things too seriously and to focus on what you, you should do or should say or should be or all these different things. And I mean, if I could just walk through my life being disciplined and playful, mm -hmm. dude, I, that's, I think that's probably the, the, the happiness would be for me. Mm. Super powerful. Mm. Where can we find you? Fearless and far. Fearless and far everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I also have, um, so that's on YouTube. I get 2 million subscribers on YouTube. Instagram as well, Fearless and Far. I have a TV show in the States yeah. called Uncharted Adventure. Got two Emmy nominations for that. So first season got an Emmy nomination for the show and I have an Emmy nomination as host, but now because of the writer's strike and the actor's strike, wow. still waiting, fingers crossed. Um, and also I have a podcast called Against the Odds, which you can find everywhere you get podcasts. You don't say your name enough in YouTube videos also. Mike Cord, I can say more. Yeah. We need more Mike. I've seen on the in the comments, this guy, this guy, this guy. Uh-huh. Need some more mics. All right, I'll I'll name drop myself. Appreciate <laughs> it, man. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Loved it. That was amazing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't yet purchased your copy of our 365-day workbook, which we had mentioned earlier in this episode. I highly recommend you do so. It is by far the best tool that you can have in your corner if you're hoping to make serious positive change to your life this year. And other than that, subscribe. We are releasing inspiring interviews every single week, sometimes even twice a week. Thanks again for listening. If there's one thing I can remind you, it is that everything in life comes down to your mindset. It's a mindset.